all of this, and we have open phones, and perhaps you can share your feelings and your thoughts. Open phones until Jonathan Smith joins us at 11.30 for a spring football retrospective, and then Big Jim Wilson on spring football, but he's also an avid fan, follower, commentator on Beaver Baseball. He'll join us to touch on football and baseball. I will say this. I I don't know how you do day to day to day with all of it. We live, I think, in the most beautiful part of the world, Pacific Northwest, the Beaver State, the Willamette Valley. Take me to the Willamette Valley in Oregon, says Kirk Douglas in that, uh, I think the film is The Way West or whatever the sound bite. He's talking to the great Robert Mitchum, and Mitchum finally yields. Yes, I'll take it. It's a beautiful, the, the greatest place in the world. Wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I will say, though, that there are days and times, and this feels like one today to me. I'm just being honest with you. When you just you open the door to let your dog out, and the dog doesn't want to even leave the stoop of the porch to walk into the rain again. I, in, at Rod Dato Field in Los Angeles, I talked to a couple of fans who, who came to the game and uh, where are you guys from? Well, we, you know, we, we just, we moved down from, uh, from the Valley. We lived in Salem or somewhere. I can't remember exactly where they told me, but it was here in the Willamette Valley somewhere. I said, Oh, well, uh, you know what, what brought you down here? And it was a husband and wife, probably in their fifties, late fifties. And she said, I couldn't take the rain anymore. That was her answer. Now, I, I heard that and thought, eh, okay, I, I guess I can kind of understand it. And I'm usually okay. I'm kind of okay with it, TJ. You grew up in, in Seattle mm-hmm. in the Pacific Northwest. It rains even more there yeah. than here. My mom is starting to say the same is she thing starting she's to, getting older. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, she is. Now, is, she, is she pushing your dad to, hey, let's mm-hmm. let's think about where you went to college. Did you go to college in any way to to Arizona State? Was that just a life experience or a life experience plus sunshine? How much did the sunshine weigh into your decision as a young uh, man? I mean, it doesn't hurt. I, I, <laughs> I would say mostly school-wise, I would say, was probably the most. But, you know, the when, broadcast you have the, school? when you have the option, yes, mm-hmm. when you have the option to also have it be 75 degrees during January, right? it's a plus. Yeah. And did you enjoy that? Uh, yeah, I did. Nice, nice January pool days. It was good. <laughs> Okay, so we won't belabor the way the weather is what it is, and we love it here. So don't get me wrong. I, but it, I did say yesterday on the broadcast a truth. We've not had quote a nice day yet for baseball all season at no, home. No, and we We've, say oh another beautiful day for baseball. But I'm being a little bit sardonic in tone when I say it because we've yet to have yet this spring at home a day where you just luxuriating in mm-hmm. warmth and sun. It hasn't happened yet, I, and it ain't going to happen tonight. I think twice. We missed it by one day or one day. It's 75 <laughs> clear, right. sunny, perfect, but there's no baseball game, which for me, I'm not going to complain because more often than not during the week, I'm here. Right. I got and I would rather <laughs> not be here while it's yeah. 75 degrees and sunny. Now you at the ballpark, I mean, you're sitting there open booth. It's like, oh, yeah, wow, it's magical. It is magical. And I'm waiting for the magic to happen in 2022 at home. But I love, I mean, the fans are great. It, you know, mm-hmm. The Beaver fans come out. They're all bundled and ready. So I don't know if any of you ever have. I know that there is such a thing called the seasonal affective disorder. It's a real thing. And maybe some of you have it and mm-hmm. you deal with it. And, and even for me to bring it up, I don't know. I'm doing everything I can to, to try to cope with it. I'm, today was the first day. The only reason I bring it mm-hmm. up, today was the first day where I kind of, I sighed. I like- sighed just... 
again, you like, know, that type of thing. Like a seasonal depression. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Affective I was going to say, yeah. not necessarily as bad during the spring because we still get, what, how much How much light do we get? 14 hours of sunlight? So it's not sunlight, quote, quote unquote, meaning the, the clouds and the rain is light, not the actual sun itself. A little worse during the winter, but... I do love how it balances out during the summer. We get oh, 15 hours of sun and 80 degrees absolutely. and not a rain cloud in sight. It really does make up for it, but it is a balance because the, 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 the teeter totter goes right yeah. back in the other direction. Once November hits Robert service said of the Yukon, the summer, no sweeter than ever. And I would disagree. I would say the summer right here is, is nothing sweeter no, than it. Nothing, and, nothing, and nowhere else in the country. We're going to move towards, that that glory soon. I'm just so whatever. Last night I kind of also hit me during the ball game. It's kind of cold now. The sun did come out during the game a little bit, but it was not the most enjoyable of ball games. These things happen during the course of a long season. Even the 2006 Oregon State National Championship baseball team lost at home to the Portland Pilots, 20 to 13. The national champions gave up the future to be national champs gave up 20 runs to Portland at home in a midweek game. So these things can happen. It was not a good ball game for the Bees last night after the second inning. The offense shut down, and it wasn't as crisp and sharp. I hope we play tonight just to give the Beavers a chance mm-hmm. to. And I'm saying I hope more than usual. I, I'm not saying I don't think we're going mm-hmm. to because yesterday at this time it wasn't quite this bad. Yeah, But it, it's just it was, it's, uh, it's a similar. little more doubtful to me yeah. today. I think we're going to play because mm-hmm. they have the will to and the feel to and the ability to. And they're already here. And they're here. Exactly. You're not saying it, it, But I'm just, uh, it, it looks like it could be a little bit more iffy and the conditions mm-hmm. themselves, not as we go projecting out hour by hour, maybe not as nice as they were yesterday. That said, we, we move on. If any of you have any thoughts about how you deal with it and whether you like TJ's mom and like the couple I saw at Rod Dato Field in Los Angeles are beginning to say, let's do something else. Or you love it enough that this is just kind of the teeter-totter, as TJ mentioned, and what you deal with. Because the heights, the joys are so great that it's worth another day of rain. Mm -hmm. And we're in it here in the Mid-Valley. Any thoughts on that, feel free at 497-5356. I'm not sure we've done an interview in a long time, TJ, that generated quite as much response as the Mm -hmm. conversation with Tim Floyd yesterday. You received a text. Was that on the University Honda Uh, text line? An email. An email. Yeah. uh, From uh, a... Forwarded from from John. From an employee. We told him to stop working, but he he kept on (laughs) chugging. At Oregon State, who said, you know, I could just as soon never hear from Tim Floyd again. Didn't care for the approach that Tim had. Didn't care for... Uh, Tim's uh, kind of categorical aspects and talking about different players. And uh, anyway, he just didn't care for the spirit and tone of Tim's overall message. There were a couple of things that even along the way, that's that's pretty. um, We did notice it. I noticed, you know, just kind of let things pass. But in the main Pulling back from that, what the, the biggest, my takeaway, first of all, I appreciate him taking time for mm-hmm. us. Somebody came up to the booth last night and said, how did you get Tim Floyd on the show? I mean, what's the story there? And people were coming up to the booth last night talking about the Tim Floyd interview. And, and Tim was texting me during the broadcast last night. Not that he was listening, you know, how's, how's Ian Lawson Slider looking? My, I mean, he wasn't <laughs> leaning into it quite like that from 
down in Florida, but he was texting me late. Things were on his mind, and he even said, "Was I too? I hope I didn't go over the line. Did I? You yeah. know, did I say too much? Was it too crass? Uh, Nick Crass? Was it too harsh in tone? I hope." And some of you might say, "Well, coach, yeah. Well, you know, whatever your opinion was, my biggest takeaway was this: that was the the ruminations of a man who's retired from coaching after forty two years, and not." Not having to be as careful or guarded, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Now, th- that doesn't mean that it's okay, you know, that everything that he said was, oh, fine, and just fine. There were a few things that caught my attention. I almost, in fact, cringed here and there a couple of times, just the way he was characterizing certain things. We'll just leave it at that. But, but the big picture stuff I appreciated from him as somebody, I think, trying to speak up on behalf of the coaching profession mm-hmm. and what Wayne Tinkle and Bobby Hurley mm-hmm. and everybody else co- trying to coach the game in this yeah. era and time, what they're up against and what they're dealing with. And I think he was trying to be an advocate on behalf of coaches about, Hey, this, mm-hmm. these are tough times. And these are the things that I think should happen and need to happen and aren't happening. And this is happening. And we, I, so I appreciated that aspect. Mm-hmm. I thought he was being, from his standpoint, very honest, maybe even, quote, brutally honest, and he was even concerned. That's a word he used, too, was I, too, brutally honest. Well, you know, there might be some who said, yeah, and you kind of lifted a curtain on how you think and how you view things, and and there were the emailer to you didn't mm-hmm. appreciate some of that aspect, mm-hmm. per se. But I thought it was you know, it was coming from a place of candor. He was forthright whether you like his message or what he had to say or not, I appreciated a guy having the liberty to cut loose Mm -hmm. and say what he really, Mm -hmm. really believes or thinks and not worried about, uh uh-oh, I may lose another kid to the portal if I say that it makes me sick to my stomach. Or a boss wouldn't like. Yeah, exactly. Yes. We, again, honesty sometimes does come with repercussions. It does. Like the Seattle Mariners guy. Yeah. On service time? Yeah, yes, like Kevin Mather. This yeah. was not a rotary meeting, thank goodness. Um, yeah. So, oh. if you have any comments about the Floyd interview, I again, I pull back and say there was a lot in there. Mm-hmm. I would say most of it, I I actually appreciated the candor. There was a couple of things that caught my, mm-hmm. I'm not sure about that aspect, but I appreciated him making himself available. Yeah, and listen, it, it is... Uh, we might not agree with everything he says. However, it, it is for deep care of the game of basketball. I agree. And I agree. so he's retired, but we know there are definitely of the 300 and 300 plus D1 mm-hmm. college basketball coaches out there. There are a good chunk of them that probably agree with almost with everything. With a lot he said. of what he had to say. Yeah. So any and thoughts? It is current. Right. 497 5356. Jonathan Smith and Jim Wilson still to come. Tumwater, to get us rolling, if you'd like to follow up with anything from that conversation or anything else you'd like to hear, uh, uh, talk about, feel free. 497-5356. Dave, good morning. Morning, gentlemen. Well, I'm glad I didn't make that trip. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I understand. I did watch a little of the stream on television, and I uh, was surprised it wasn't your call, but I was listening to something else, so I heard uh, a lot of it in, along the way. But, uh, man, it looked pretty spartan in the stands there at times. But it, there there are games like that that will happen. 
I have a more general observation, Mike, uh, and it was kind of uh, uh, prompted by uh, your comment I heard somewhere along the line about uh, Gonzaga having swept a series against Oklahoma State. I gather they played them in Oklahoma. Yeah. So here's my, uh, here's my uh, thinking. It seems to me we're early on in an effort by the athletic administration at Gonzaga to complement their success in making Gonzaga a premier basketball school. Mike, I'm beginning to think they're beginning to think they can replicate that success in baseball. What do you think? Well, you know, they're, they have a very good and veteran coach who won a national championship as a player at Stanford in uh, Mark Matkoff. And they've been pretty, they, they've had a good program. If you listened at all, I mean, I, I've kind of rehearsed their history. They went to the tournament last year. They've won four WCC titles in the last uh, six years. They're probably going to win it again. They're going to certainly go back to the tournament this year. I don't know if, you know, whether the basketball success has anything to do with Gonzaga baseball. Gonzaga baseball, comparatively speaking, was more successful than Gonzaga basketball was for for decades. So they've been a oh, good program. Yeah, they've oh. been a good program for a long time. They haven't gone as deep as basketball has gone in terms of the national platform and getting to the Final Four and a title game and. And although there's some, it's funny to me now, Dave, you bring basketball up. I keep reading about almost a little nervous restiveness in the fan base at Gonzaga. Like, well, have, you know, have we plateaued? Will we ever win one? And here, you know, all they're ever doing is going to all these tournaments and, and winning a couple of games and making an occasional trip to the final four. And yet, because they haven't been able to bring home the big daddy, there's some fans getting a little nervous about that. But anyway, baseball has been good for a long time there. Yeah, well, we've talked about, or I've brought up the notion of the revolution of rising expectations, and that can come back to hot programs. I think I dare say that that's where Mike Riley got into a little trouble with the fan base. The expectations were raised, and uh, that, that, that can have uh, an, uh, unsettling consequences. The only other point I wanted to make in my call this morning, Mike, I don't know if you caught it, but there was an, uh, it, there was an article in The Athletic uh, talking about you know the, the doom and gloom, uh, and not entirely unwarranted regarding what NIL portends for college football. What would these collectives being formed? I thought one of the uh, Nick Saban's commentary has gotten most of the attention. That only stands to reason. But I thought Chip Kelly was uh, throwing an arrow in the direction of Eugene, Oregon. Said, "Well, we're not going to do that here, unlike some other places." And I and I'm just guessing that he had. Uh, uh, the University of Oregon in mind. But, Mike, this is my concluding thought on this. NIL is the second aspect of preponderance. The, 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 the rule applies to basketball and other sports, but it's going to play out mostly in football, I think you would agree. But NIL is the second instance in a generation where the punditry, primarily revolving around the ESPN Death Star, they get this idea, they develop this agenda, the narrative. First instance was the playoff, which has done nothing but hurt college football. Then they take up the cause of the unrewarded athlete and uh, these uh, unfortunate people who are getting a free college education, while at the same time in our political culture, we hear all this about student debt and the people who are burdened from life having to pay off fifty, sixty, a 100000 
$200,000 student loan burdens. So this NIL is the second instance where the cure is manifestly worse than the disease that it was intended to treat. So I just wanted to throw that observation in. We can dialogue more. You can go on to the, the next segment. Uh, but that's all I had to offer today. Dave, it's good to hear from you. This is a subject that won't be going away. So we'll talk about it more. We need to take a break ahead of Jonathan coming up here shortly. But I will say that we, the, the Oregon State has rolled out something called the wood shop with respect to I saw that. name, yeah. image, and likeness. And I think either tomorrow or before the week is out, Scott Barnes is going to join the show or someone, Kimya Massey from the department or Scott himself, to kind of, Talk us through that and what that piece looks like from Oregon State's perspective. Because you got, you got. I heard Canzano yesterday on a show talking about <laughs> talking about the Washington State quarterback who's tra- transferred in. Cam, Cam Ward, Ward. Got, a, got a car, but a car now is like a minimal payment. Yeah, a car, like. but also, but then he just John casually said Cam Ward, Washington State, getting ninety thousand dollars from thus and so and thus and so. Just it rolled off his tongue like. Yeah, we just signed so-and-so for $125,000, and he'll be joining the team mm-hmm. soon. It, it just The way it rolled off John's mouth, uh, tongue, so casually, Dave, I thought, well, here we go, kind of. You know what I mean? That's going to be a big problem. Well, I'll, I'll leave it at that, Mike, and we'll carry the dialogue on. Thanks a lot, Dave. Let's break, uh, TJ, so we can get some business out of the way. Jonathan Smith at 1130. Uh, Jim Wilson at around 12.15, and Abigail Derula. Now, you may not know her name, but she's part of the Dam Analytics Squad at Oregon State. Fascinating stuff that they're involved with. It's a great team run by Brad Brown. Abigail recently received a scholarship from Major League Baseball to attend a Sabre Analytics Conference, and she will talk us through just how the Beavers are using analytics, her role in it, and some of the, the, the great pieces that she and that squad work on. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. She is a talented, bright, delightful young person who has a lot to contribute uh, and will at the major league level in the near future, I'm sure, and, and working now as a student at Oregon State. We'll take a break. Back with more after this on 1240 Joe Radio. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today, 541-758-8. 245. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Level up your quesadilla game at Qdoba with their new cheese-crusted quesadillas. Crisp things up a notch and add a golden crispy cheese crust to the outside of your quesadilla. Talk about cheese on cheese on cheese. And customize your cheese-crusted quesadilla masterpiece with any of their flavorful proteins, zesty salsas, handcrafted guac, and of course, more cheese. Make your world more flavorful and try the new cheese-crusted quesadillas today. Stop by or order now at Qdoba.com or in the app. It's a party, and it's every Friday night at Highland Bowl. It starts at 10 and runs until 1230. Check out the black lights and glow and bowl to your favorite music. Thunder Alley includes unlimited bowling, shoes, and prizes for just 12 bucks. Call now and reserve your lane for Thunder Alley. Every Friday night from 10 until 1230. We set them up, you knock them down. Highland Bowl, Highland Bowl 9th Street, Corvallis. 
Kraken Cards combines the worlds of sports cards and games to bring a fresh take on your local game store. Kraken Cards in downtown Corvallis carries sports cards, Pokemon cards, MTG cards, and more. If you're into sports cards and games, Kraken Cards is for you. OSU fans, Kraken Cards has a dedicated Oregon State alumni box just for you. Kraken Cards, 114 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. KrakenSportsCards.com, your connection to everything fun. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group, 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker, T.J. Mathewson in studio. John Warren getting some well-deserved time off and yet running uh, problems down, forwarding emails <laughs> and staying busy. Even in, That's what a vacation often feels like for a hardworking man such as uh, Johnny Warren. Our next guest, I don't know if he ever takes a real vacation or not because as the head football coach at Oregon State University, his mind is always on, I'm sure, constantly on what it takes to keep pushing the program forward and improving. I hope he finds a way to, to be able occasionally to, to shut it down. And he has a delightful family and a family man, so I know he does find his ways. But we appreciate Coach Smith taking some time in the busy schedule and the completion of the 15 practices for spring football, joining us on the Joe Beaver Show Coach, having said that and bringing you in, it's good to have you on. Nice to have you on the show. Is there any kind of exhale for a little bit where you can watch uh, your son play, your, hang out with the family, or are you right back into the next step in building this thing? Yeah, it's uh, you, you got to find some type of balance. Uh, and like you mentioned, you know, with the kids, playing a little baseball, whatnot, uh, I think we're, we're doing real well with it, man. I mean, obviously enjoying this job, the challenges that come with the job. At the same time, you know, Corvallis allows for, uh, you know, balance the family life. And even the small pieces that go into baseball games or activities around around the school here. And um, But there's a lot of work to do with this job. and enjoyed spring ball, and now it's on to the next with, you know, this recruiting period. Coach, I look forward to I've seen you in the ballpark a couple of times at Beaver baseball games. Uh, I haven't seen you come up to the booth yet, so uh, whenever you're ready, we always love We do that once or twice a year, so I hope that your travels will bring you into our booth and we can talk a little football and baseball the next time you're in the ballpark. Well, I, I'll tell you what, I'll go in that booth with the weather, the way this thing's been going the last week or two. Golly, I know better weather. Yeah, I got yeah. you. Coach? You, spring practice is now in the books. What did you? What were your biggest takeaways? You and your staff, your new coach Anthony Perkins, part of it. What? What did the? What have you taken away from it? Are you still breaking down video from it, et cetera, or what? Yeah, well, we, we really liked the work we got done over 15 days. It's an awesome time to really develop your entire roster. So a lot of guys getting reps and trying to improve and you know, work their way up at the depth chart, and it's really like. We went in with the intention to start spring ball. We had a, long, a lot of guys on the roster that are younger, right? In their first, second year, we want to continue to build them so they can contribute this fall. You build depth. Um, 
in the spring. And so I, I probably got a lot of that done with you know, younger guys getting reps and, and competing. Uh, really pleased with kind of the health we had coming out of it. You're always going to have a bumper bruise, bumps and bruises, but nothing long term. I give a bunch of credit to Mike McDonald and that strength staff of getting, having these guys ready and in good shape. And and so it's a it was a great time of year to experiment a little bit schematically, right? You want to look at a couple of new ideas at the same time of you know installing your base offense, defense, special teams, and letting guys uh, get reps at it. So all, all in all, really really pleased. Coach, when you mentioned Mike McDonald, one of the things that uh, that I got from my broadcast partner, Jim Wilson, who will actually be joining us later on the show to talk football and baseball, but he said it struck him looking at Samisi Saluni and Simon Sandberg in particular. He said, ooh, those guys, those guys put in some work. They're bigger, stronger, faster perhaps. I mean, it, now, there may be, I'm sure there's more, but he cited those two guys as sort of, ooh, they were impressive. Do you concur and are there some other guys sort of in that group? Yeah, I mean, both those guys, Samisi and Simon, love that weight room. And it's not just about the weight room. It's the diet they, they're on and, um, and, you know, the sleep they're getting, the hydration they're having. And it, they're not alone, just those two guys in particular. But I thought we made some really nice gains on the defensive side in general, outside linebacker, inside backer, um, still being able to run and be explosive, but getting bigger. Um, O-line-wise, we had some younger linemen that need to continue to work at Gaining a little weight, that got accomplished. Um, even in the backfield, I think Deshaun Fenwick is in good shape and has body mass index down type thing. So uh, that's an important piece that's not talked about all that much uh, is what, what takes place in your strength and conditioning program, and we got the best of the best. Yeah, it's great to hear. And you've always spoken highly of Coach Mack and, and how much there's a skill involved, isn't there, Coach, in terms of Coach Mike McDonald and the staff, but Mike is the leader of it to connect with players and really give them a vision and something to shoot for. You saw that when you were with them at Washington, part of why you brought them here, right? No question, because you do. You want, you know, they need to push those guys, right? I mean, you need your strength coach pushing these guys to always get uh, the work ethic, the accountability, um, and, and giving great effort in there. At the same time, I think you get the, the ability to push them is after you've connected with them. And then these guys trust them. they got relationships. They go beyond just being the head strength coach. And, and we try to do accomplish that on our, our assistant coaches in, myself, everyone in the operation. Uh, and I do. I do feel like we got a locker room full of guys that trust the instruction they're getting. And we got a locker room giving uh, great effort day in and day out. One of the things that Nigel Burton mentioned during the telecast of the spring game with Yogi, uh, speaking of defense and the back end, the length and athleticism he talked about. Now, he's a guy that's coached, and so he appreciates that. But is that a fair observation? I mean, do you like what you're building in the backfield defensively and perhaps even talk to us about Anthony Perkins coming to the staff and, and his role in working with these guys? Yeah, yeah, I think some of that length really started with uh, the hire of Blue Adams, whether it was three years ago. Um, he, he likes that body type. He knows how to kind of train it, coach it. And so we made a targeted effort to get longer in the back end, and we've done that over a couple of years now. And then with the addition of Anthony Perkins, yeah, you know, just being able to divide and conquer. You play with so many DBs on the field at one time. Uh, it was It's tough for just one coach to oversee all of that. So the addition of Anthony Perkins has been great. Because uh, we do. we got some veterans in that uh, in that secondary. But now they got a new voice, a little bit to be able to share the workload and really detail uh, the position, because there's some differences between playing corner 
at playing safety and then even the nickel position. And so, uh, like what we got in that combination of those two coaches. You feel uh, in terms of guys that, that we didn't see on the field in the spring game from that backfield, Rajon Wright, Jaden Grant, Alton Julian, uh, and, and then maybe some other guys that didn't participate much or at all in the spring. You see anything lingering, Coach, or do you feel like, hey, come summer when you get reconvened that uh, you'll have most of the, your people back? Yeah, well, we definitely feel confident we'll have Ray and Jaden back. Uh, Alton um, will be cut it kind of close. Feel, feel good that he'll be able to get himself in good shape and uh, enough time to be able to play in September. Um, but really confident on Ray and, and, and Jaden's injuries, just hand injuries that shouldn't take off. Okay, good to hear. On the defensive side, as long as we're, we're sort of starting there, you, you talk about you know maybe trying some new things, tweaking some things, both sides of the ball, even in special teams. You, you, the spring can give you an opportunity to work on that. I'm hearing and reading a lot and seeing a little bit more four-man fronts with Trent and experience. You know, <laughs> what do you make of what Trent is doing, putting his hands on the defense as the coordinator for the first time, some of the trends and development you're seeing and I don't think he's going to go completely reinvent everything, but what are some of those tweaks maybe on that side you've appreciated? Well, yeah, I think it's, a, you know, emphasis on some mentality things of a little bit more uh, uh, attack-oriented, uh, contested-oriented um, from the back end on the contestant side, attacking a little bit more from the defensive line. And, again, there's a, a bunch of different ways to do things, but it fits Trent's personality that he likes to be a little bit more aggressive and be in attack mode and get in the backfield a little bit more, um, which uh, I think our guys have adapted to and they're actually kind of excited about. Um, obviously, the, the product we'll, we'll see in September. <laughs> but right now, all, all, all things are good, and I, I do I do feel confident with Trent. His, the staff he's got around him, um, he's got continuity in regards to relationships with these defensive players over the last three, four years. And now he puts his own stamp on things. I'm, I'm excited to see it go. One of the things Omar Spate said coming out of the spring game was that he said what he's seen is that after practice, there's almost a beeline to let's go keep working and go study some video with Trent or with position coaches in other spots. He says that's happening more. Now, I, you know, maybe players are just maturing and growing and understanding the importance of that. But are you seeing that too, Coach? And how big of a development, so to speak, is that when the players really start to take ownership of that kind of thing? Yeah, we, we feel like this is going to be, this team in particular, player-led, we got a bunch of leaders have been around the block. Um, they do know that there's extra work that makes differences, not just a couple hours out on the practice field. Um, and, and I do think the relationship piece on the for the coaches in, the continuity, the, they've been in the hallways a lot. They've given the extra work in the film uh, after practice. Hopefully they're still passing a class or two, but... <laughs> That it's been it's been nice. I mean, even Trent's taking the time this week to get with every defensive player one on one and and touching base with them. So uh, it's a tight knit group, uh, coaches to players. We know there's a lot of work to do, and this is going to be a huge summer to continue to lay this foundation for for our season in the fall. Jonathan Smith joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. There's always in in competition against one another. Sort of a good news, bad news. The flip side, I I sense that there was more pocket pressure. Uh, your quarterbacks were having to make plays uh, because there was a little more uh, pressure on the pocket and so on, which you like from the defensive standpoint. <laughs> How do you feel about the, your your offensive line, so to speak, but also just the way your quarterbacks handled that during the spring? Yeah, I, I think there's some 
back and forth and some really good things. Because one, it exposes your protection and then and some of the flaws. So it, it's really an opportunity for the offensive line quarterback to improve when you get exposed a little bit, and that's why you practice. Uh, I actually think it allowed for a quarterback to extend the play because Chance has got a skill set of doing that. I thought Ben Goldbrinson has moved his feet better than he ever has. And so, you know, there's always a, a flip side of things. With uh, when you get exposed, there's an opportunity to clean some things up and tighten it up, and we definitely got that offensively. And chances of spring, uh, your sense, of Jonathan, as a quarterback yourself who understands the demands of the position in your own system and all of that, he's an experienced guy with a tremendous skill set. What's the next step for him? The incremental jump he made from the previous year to 2021, if he makes that again, you've really got something uh, great going on. What do you see happening with his game? Yeah, and like you said, we want him to continue to take another step. Uh, it's just like every guy on this roster, but he made a huge step from year one to year two. And last year, you know, winning, winning a good amount of games for us as the first time kind of full-year starter. This guy's just started a lot of games. And it's not easy to continue to make huge steps in improvement when you're, you know, he's a veteran now. He's a couple-year starter. So we did emphasize a couple of things fundamentally in the pocket, uh, made an emphasis on accuracy down the field. Uh, and one thing I think we more or less undervalued with him is that his ability to extend and pick up first downs with his feet, that continues to show up. And so uh, we're, we feel good that if the chains are moving and we're scoring points, how it's taking place, chances has uh, been able to do that for us. And I think he'll, he'll do it in even a better way this fall. Silas Bolden uh, made a big impact on the game. A couple of 25-yard touchdowns, an exuberant celebration, thanks to the rain, able to slide across <laughs> his chest in the end zone. But the sense I get from him, he's gone to work on his craft. Do you sense that too, Coach? Yeah, he was about running his uh, you know, discipline with it. Uh, he, he showed up in every scrimmage we had, uh, making plays because he can do some things with the ball in his hands. Um, really tough player too, willing blocker, and a couple of those. One scrimmage, he had a couple highlight catches and this and that, but he, he had some huge blocks in the run game, which I love. Uh, yeah, he's not the biggest guy, but willing to stick his face kind of in there and, and, and do his part in the run game. And we've got a bunch of receivers of the same type of mentality that they know, uh, you know winning football games is not all about just catching 10, 10 passes. It's about making some explosive plays in the pass game, but also contributing to an effective run game. How do you feel, Coach, about the so-called go-to guy, Whatever you know, whether it's an Isaac Hodgins catching the lion's share of passes? Do you believe in that? Do you feel like that's an important person, so to speak, when push comes to shove in the clutch, we're going to get the ball to player X? Do you have guy, anyone emerging? Is it important for that in your view? Yeah, I think it's nice to have. Um, at the same time, it's, it's pretty equal party in the receiver room or tight end room that, I'm not against just distributing the ball when, you know, whoever's open, let's throw it to them. Um, so I think you can do it both ways. Um, there's definitely some nice things, you know, having a guy that can win the one-on-one consistently that he sees a lot of the balls, but I'm not against kind of doing it by committee because uh, I think we got multiple guys that can win one-on-one, and if someone arises as the season goes on, well, yeah, we're going to target them a little bit more, um, but, but if we don't have that, um, we'll, we'll spread the wealth. Yeah, I, I, th- I said Isaac. I met Isaiah, of course. Is there any update yeah. on, on Isaac's status? In your view, I know the kid's been through a lot. What's your, your sense on, on Isaac's uh, full return to health and participation? Yeah, we're hopeful it's kind of the middle of the summer. He's got full healing. It's just one of those things on each body <laughs> heals a little yeah. bit differently on, on bone growth and things. I know he's 
he's doing everything he can uh, to get himself back, and he's planning to be back. So we welcome him with open arms once he's completely cleared. Last couple of things with Jonathan. Uh, a name that came up often, and it's always spring, always there's somebody, ooh, wow, look at, look at this kid. But Damian Martinez, to his great credit, uh, showed up a lot, didn't he? And in terms of not only just skill set and running, speed and power, but a diligent student, it sounds like, too, Coach, with a lot of nuances in your offense as he embraced that part of it, too. Yeah, he definitely did. Uh, for a guy finishing, he should be finishing his senior year of high school, came in, looked at it, had a physical skill set that showed up, uh, being physical with the ball in his hands and kind of a natural uh, natural back, but also there's a lot to learn and the protection end and formationally and motion and the snap count and changing the play at the line of scrimmage. He, he dove into that and, uh, you know, played beyond uh, his years. Uh, so excited about what he's adding to a room that I think we've got a few guys, you know, get yards and score touchdowns with Trey Lowe and Sean Finwick and even Demir Collins with Isaiah Newell. Both of them got a lot of reps and, and progressed, which is, you know, how we, we like to have a, a multiple backs, not just all, only one. I think we got going to have that option again this fall. And Coach, uh, the offensive line depth, people have said, well, how, how strong is it? But you had some guys out, so you, you really don't know quite yet on that. But that starting core, you made a little bit of adjustment with Brandon Kipper. Tell us about that, what predicated that, and how, how you feel about, in a sense, those first five guys. Yeah, with Brandon moving from right tackle to to right guard, uh, some of that leads to what what we think for his NFL career. He's he's going to be an inside guy, and so just you know starting that early. And there was some of the reason we felt good about making that move was with Tolly, uh, his ability at right tackle played a little bit last year. Feel like he's continued to develop into, and we think he's going to be a really good player. Uh, allowed for for Kip to go inside, and with Levin good at the center, um, you know he's played a lot of ball, different positions, um, but. Uh, be able to replace Eldridge there um, in a good way. I feel confident where that was. Marco Brewer probably had the best spring out of the whole line uh, for a whole complete body of work. And then you got Joshua Gray's played a played a bunch of left tackle. So I think that that group is is pretty solid. We definitely want to add some depth. That it really was just tough in the spring. We had a few guys that were banged up night going full, and and so that'll be a point of emphasis come August that we can solidify the guys behind them. The special teams phase, Everett Hayes goes four for four in bad conditions. Right? Thirty uh, four field goals, 45, 40 yards, 35, 30, hit them all. <laughs> That's such a – that also can be an underrated piece, but you got a guy you feel like, okay, hey, if a drive bogs down, we can go get the three right here. That's pretty uh, – Alexis Cerna lived on that. Mike Riley used him a lot in that respect. Is Everett kind of becoming a guy you can feel good about in that in that way? Yeah, along with his kind of crew of, you know, Dylan Black snapping it to him, Luke Loser, uh holding it, you know, there's some continuity with all three of those guys in that operation of field goals, but just having the specialist return for another year of your your punter, your kicker, your snapper, uh, even though Joshua Green did, did some good things this spring, punting the ball. So uh, those guys play a really important part in games, um, and we're, we're glad they're, they're all back. This is the last thing, Coach, and that is the the view out your window. We talked about this at the Toyota Club event before the spring game uh, this past Saturday morning. Every day you see something, and, and it, it's, it feels like it's transforming quickly before your very eyes. The completing of Reeser, what that means to you, your coaches, your players, your future players. 
just how excited does that make you every time you look out your window of your office? Yeah, it, it, it's a bunch of fun. It adds to excitement. It's, it's great. When, you know, we've had recruits coming through the last few months and, and be able to sit in my office, talk with them about the future of the program, and they can visually see it. Uh, starting to, you know, with the recruiting process where it's at now, with these um, juniors that we're recruiting, well, their their entire time at Oregon State would be playing in this brand new stadium. So, it's been a great recruiting piece, and it's just a compliment uh, to a lot of work that went into the you know fundraising that had by headed by Scott Barnes and that crew, and and really Beaver Nation itself is the belief in where uh, the program's going, but also what the difference in the, the stadium will make not just the athletics but the entire yeah. entire university. Coach, I look forward to seeing you. Uh at a ball game one of these days when the weather gets a little better, but you're welcome anytime, and I hope to come out and watch you, your, your, you and Sean's sons play some baseball, too. So let's uh, let's uh, see one another soon. I, I've missed talking to you and hope to see you at the ballpark. You got it. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Jonathan. Jonathan Smith, our guest. Let's uh, take a break, Doc. Any, uh, any thoughts on the spring game, whether you attended, whether you watched it, or did both? Four nine seven five three five six. How was Billy Rao on the live stream, the the Pac twelve broadcast last night? Bill Bill Rao is one of my favorite all time humans. Just a great guy. I hope he did a nice job with the broadcast. That was kind of a rough game last night. Bet young Ben Creighton, young Ben getting uh, his feet wet a little bit more in play by play the day before. He had done a lacrosse match. TJ, do you know the nuances of lacrosse? Could you call no, a lacrosse match? Absolutely not. It's hard enough. I've done. I did volleyball my senior year. That was hard enough. <laughs> I gotta say, I, I leaned on Hadley Heck a lot. Yeah, she was. That's, she was my color that, analyst. That's wise. That's it's, a wise thing to she do. She knew a lot more than I did. I just, you know, lacrosse. And forget it. I have no idea. But Ben Creighton did a lacrosse match, so good for him. Then the next day, he's up here doing baseball. So he's a young. Talented broadcaster making his way and happy for him to see him at the ballpark. There's no no Pac-12 telecast tonight, so uh, I think my audio will be attached to the live stream this evening. The whole time we've been talking to Jonathan and Dave and others, it's been raining. I'm still believing we're playing tonight, 445 for your pregame. Let's take a break. Any thoughts on any of the above? Or yesterday with Coach Floyd, if you want to jump in now. 497-5356-1240, Joe Radio. If you've been putting off that home remodeling project but have finally decided to take a leap and get it done, Corvallis Floor Covering can help. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, laminate, tile, wood, and vinyl flooring and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering is at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beavs! Power Motorsports is kicking off spring with a huge e-bike demo event. The Tucker e-Power Tour will have event rigs on site full of e-Power vehicles to demo. It's your chance to explore, demo Fantic and Fuel e-bikes and experience the fun and mobility. Try the new Upco electric adventure vehicles and learn more about the exciting new e-lineup. Don't miss the Tucker e-Power Tour at Power Motorsports in Sublimity. Tuesday, April 26th from noon to 4 p.m. PowerMotorsports.com. 
Middleton Heating has served the Mid-Valley for over 73 years and is still here to help with all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating, cooling, and exhaust venting equipment. AC causing you trouble? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. Middleton offers several financing options for new equipment and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Give them a call or find them online at middletonheating.net. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today, 541 541- 758-8245. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Level up your quesadilla game at Qdoba with their new cheese-crusted quesadillas. Crisp things up a notch and add a golden crispy cheese crust to the outside of your quesadilla. Talk about cheese on cheese on cheese. And customize your cheese-crusted quesadilla masterpiece with any of their flavorful protein, zesty salsas, handcrafted guac, and of course, more cheese. Make your world more flavorful and try the new cheese-crusted quesadillas today. Stop by or order now at Qdoba.com or in the app. This is punter Johnny Hecker, and you are listening to the Joe Beaver Show. The original version of that Get Back liner had the name of the team that he was a punter yeah. for. You you creatively edited there. I zoomed way in on all the sound waves and like, <laughs> okay, where does L.A. Rams... <laughs> Okay, that's out, okay. and then listen, uh, okay, that sounds believable. That's a little football. Jonathan Smith with some football. J- Jim Wilson coming up with football and baseball next hour, and then some damn analytics stuff. And I'm not saying uh, those damn analytics. No, DAM analytics squad at Oregon State, of which Abigail Derula from Newburgh is part of. She's getting ready to graduate and perhaps move on to a major league job. She's developed some great connections. She and that staff. You see, if you follow them on Twitter, do you follow them, TJ? I do, they yes. got all that yeah, stuff. I love looking at it's that really stuff. It's really good stuff. It is so good. One yeah. of my favorite parts about baseball. We'll talk to we'll talk to Abigail about her role in that fascinating world and a scholarship she received recently from Major League Baseball. They like her, and there are people in the Major Leagues already that are, have their eye on her, and she's going to get a great job coming out of Oregon State in the fascinating world of analytics, a, a world that... I know very little of and just kind of dip my toe in every once in a while. You love it, and it is the new generation and the way the way thing, the way the world is going, and I look forward to kind of learning a little bit more about it as we go. But while we're on football, I, I just got a sports alert from the Seattle Times. By the way, Ryan Divish mm-hmm. will join us Friday, and he's the beat writer for your Mariners and yes. a good guest. Yes, he's great. Yeah. He's a little short over email, but he is a he. I've met him in person. He's funny great. Guy. He's really funny on Twitter too, and he, he he does a great job covering the team. He's what a lot of people need. He he's brutally honest about the yes, Mariners. he is. He is. He is. The and Tim it, Floyd of Seattle Times writers. Yeah. <laughs> he's great. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, if you have any thoughts on anything we've talked about, feel free. But on the Seattle Times, here's what the sports alert said. Oh my gosh, a sports alert! What happened? Well, they're just trying to get you to click, and it reads. Soaring quarterback market, further evidence. 
that moving on from Russell Wilson was the right move. And it's a column by Matt Calkins and kind of the lead. I haven't had a chance to open the column, but it does lead into a question that I have for you and maybe others. Here's what the kind of the teaser lead into the column, how it reads. For many Seattle sports fans, the Russell Wilson trade may have been the most depressing transaction ever. Matt Calkins then proceeds to say, however, but might it have been a good thing in the end? And Calkins, based on the headline, will come down Mm -hmm. on the side of, yes, as painful, sad, the right thing. I haven't read the column. I don't know if any of you already have an immediate reaction. No, 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 it isn't. You don't trade a quarterback still with great years left, and he's a franchise guy. They're hard to find. I don't care what your rationale is. Now, you're not a big Seahawks fan or follower, right? Oh, but I'm, no. Yes, I am. You are? Okay. Yeah. So how do you feel about Russ moving on? Well. Being traded. Right. It is the right decision if they find a replacement, a very, <laughs> a very good replacement. That's, right. that's when it's the right it's move. Because otherwise, then what's the point, right? Because you you move on from him saying, oh, well, we can get a quarterback with less of an ego, less of a contract and younger and build and, and, and build the roster around him instead of, you know, you're going to have, you would eventually have to pay Russell Wilson $50 million, which makes building the roster a little harder. bit harder. Mm-hmm. And you get, you know, multiple first round pick, uh, one first round pick this year, two next year. So, I mean, you have your, your options and you, you can you can build the roster more to what it was like when Pete Carroll and John Snyder came in 2010 when they you know set that everyone in the NFL is like how many transactions are they making mm-hmm. just like churning the roster through and eventually they built this great roster that won them a Super Bowl and they right. they think they can do that again if they do do that again then it was the right decision it's not the right decision if Russell Wilson goes to Denver wins a Super Bowl <laughs> and the Seahawks can't find a quarterback for 20 years what you don't want is mediocrity yeah and 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 the bill to wit effect now this isn't russell's not being traded on the the bill to wit rationale i speak to brooks hatch i speak to kip carlson i speak to dave from tumwater and maybe a few other baseball historians that would immediately recognize the name of bill to wit not many out there who, oh yeah bill to wit but here's the rationale Frank Robinson had been an MVP in the National League in 1961. Tremendous player, Hall of Famer, and we know hit 586 He's home runs. Good. Very good. But Frank was 30 years old in 1965, and it had an okay year. I think he hit 29 and 29 homers, hit 300 uh, or whatever. But Bill DeWitt traded Frank Robinson and said, "Yeah, we think Frank Robinson's an old." 30 on the downside of his career and traded this spectacular player to Baltimore for Milt Pappas. Now Pappas was a serviceable pitcher and a pretty good one. One more games in his career than Don Drysdale did. And Don's in the hall of fame, but that's beside the point. The point is that Frank heard old 30, huh? Mm -hmm. Watch this. And he goes to Baltimore in 1966, and I, the numbers are in my mind forever because those are the early days of baseball card collecting and beginning to study the game. So I get a Frank Robinson baseball card, and I watched his 1966 season, and he beat me when I was going to World Series games at the age of eight at Dodger Stadium with my dad, went to game two, and Robbie and Brooks and that group beat me 
in 66. But when I look at the, you know, the baseball card in that year, the numbers are the old 30, 316, 49 homers, 122 mm -hmm. runs batted in, triple crown MVP, Frank Robinson, 1966. In the dead ball era. Yeah, exactly right. And an old 30, he took that as motivation mm -hmm. and off he went. Now, the, the saddest transaction ever, Ken Griffey Jr., you're saying that, that the uh, description of Robinson, while incorrect by Bill DeWitt on Robbie, who went on to have some other big years yeah. too, was accurate for Griffey it when was. they moved him. Yeah, because, you know, he was an MVP. He was an all-timer when he's in Seattle. And then as soon as the Mariners trade him in 2000, as soon as they build what is now T-Mobile Park, they ship him off to Cincinnati. He's never the same. He's hurt. Yeah. That was an old 30. He Griffey, was an old Griffey 30. Didn't, yeah. Griffey is, you know, 20 or 19 to 29 was among the best ever. Yes. But then once he got to 30, he yeah. didn't have it. And, you know, people will, you know, he, he had the same kind of timeline as Barry Bonds. And you saw Barry as he gets, uh, oh, Barry, uh, get a little, little <laughs> off. No, but Barry... You. Had some ate a balanced breakfast in the morning that helped him uh, <laughs> helped him age more gracefully than Griffey did. Junior, from what we understand, though, didn't go down that road. I mean, I no, don't. You know, not. I mean, that's clean. the sense. And in that sense, in the modern era, I think what did he end up with? Six hundred thirty homers. Uh, Six twenty nine. Six twenty nine. Thought I saw him hit a signal. I'm joking. I don't know, but they may be the other than Mays and you know Ruth seven fourteen Willie six sixty. The 629 or 30 from Junior may be about as pure and clean as in the modern era for home runs. Big Jim Wilson, more open phones next hour. Roll tape, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with Your Money Now. New home construction starts edged higher in March and topped expectations. The Census Bureau says starts increased three-tenths percent from February to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.79 million. Year-over-year -year starts were up nearly 4%. Building permits issued last month also rose slightly from February and were up a better-than-expected 6.7% from a year earlier. All of those increases, though, were due to gains in multifamily housing. Single-family starts and permits declined slightly on both a monthly and annual basis. U.S. stocks are solidly higher today. The Dow Industrial is up more than 400 points. The S&P 500 ahead by 57. And the Nasdaq has jumped 228. Amazon says it'll conduct an independent racial equity audit of its hourly workforce led by former U.S. Attorney General Loretta Lynch. Amazon says the focus of the audit will be to evaluate any disparate racial impacts on its one million U.S. hourly employees resulting from policies, programs, and practices. That's your money now. I tend to second-guess dinners with friends because they're often interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools. It turns out I have EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, which means I'm missing the enzymes needed to digest food. My doctor prescribed Creon pancrelipase, an oral prescription medication that replaces pancreatic digestive enzymes. Creon treats EPI due to cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, pancreatectomy, or other conditions. Creon may increase your chance of fibrosing colonopathy, a rare bowel disorder. Tell your doctor if you have a history of intestinal blockage or scarring or thickening of your bowel wall. If you're allergic to pork or if you have gout, kidney problems, or worsening of painful swollen joints, call your doctor if you have any 
unusual or severe gastrointestinal symptoms or allergic reactions. Take Creon as directed by your doctor and always with food. Do not chew capsules as this may cause mouth irritation. Other side effects may include blood sugar changes, gas, dizziness, sore throat, and cough. These are not all the side effects of Creon. Creon is the number one prescribed EPI treatment. Ask your doctor about Creon for EPI and visit Creon.com or call 800-633-91. For auto glass solutions, better call the glass man. Call 541 541- 760-2277. Call the Glass Man. Hi, this is Jake the Glass Man. If you need your windshield repaired or replaced, you don't need to call that 800 number. Give me a call. For auto glass solutions, better call the Glass Man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the Glass Man. Whether you're looking for your first job or an exciting career change, at NTEC, we're looking for you. NTEC is growing and offers entry-level wages starting at $19 to $23 an hour, as well as excellent pay and benefit opportunities for established professionals. Immediate full benefit eligibility, health insurance, 401k, life and disability, tuition reimbursement, and so much more. Career opportunities from entry-level to professional are available. To start enjoying the career you've always wanted, visit entek.com, ntech.com, and click the Careers tab. We're excited to meet you. I'm Dennis Silvers, the golf guru, here with another Golf Minute to help with those slick downhill putts. Have you ever been faced with a very quick downhill putt only to have it roll off the green? Here's some help. While it's true that hitting a putt away from the center of the face will transfer less energy to the ball and that hitting a putt near the toe will cause the putter to twist somewhat, all you have to do is grip down on the putter and make your normal stroke. First, set your left hand slightly below the middle of the grip and your right hand at the bottom or under your left, almost touching the shaft. By doing this, regardless of the size putt you have, you'll transfer less energy to the ball. This also allows you to make solid contact on the putter's sweet spot, which gives it the best chance to stay on line. So remember, when faced with a putt smoother than a baby's behind, just grip down on the shaft to soften the blow. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. At the United States Postal Service, we deliver packages fast and affordably so you can give your customers what they want when they need it. We're delivering for one-stop shops, mom and pops, pop-ups, startups, retail, wholesale, large-scale, small biz, big box, customers, customizers. So no matter what business you're in, we'll always be delivering for you. USPS, delivering for America. Learn more at usps.com slash delivering. If you have a small business, Staples has your sign. Banners for my bakery? Staples has your sign. Oh, posters for my new pet store. Floor decals for a pharmacy. Every day, Staples Associates help every kind of small business create bold signs to make big impressions. And now get $10 off custom signs, banners, and posters when you spend $50 or more. This is your sign. So print it big at Staples. Ends 528. Visit staplesconnect.com slash this is your sign for details. It's with joy that the student athletes are returning to the fields and courts. But it doesn't feel quite the same. Where have the people gone? Seems like there's no one hanging on. Cut out, cut out, cut out, cut out. What is this cutout In 2020-21, the people may be cutouts, but there are still games, and there are still tailgate shows, there are still broadcasts, 
And through it all, there is still The Joe Beaver Show, a place to gather at proper distances to talk about it all, to talk about what we do have. And it looks like we're ready to give it one more try. So, such as it is, we're ready to give it one more try with John and Mike and The Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. I'm not sure that I'm seeing completely the text from CVB that Junior lost his 630th on something. When I open up the text, it doesn't come in. It stops at the previous uh, musing from right CVB now. about Howard Cosell and so on, which I thank you for that, by the way. what Do you see the he full lo- text? Junior lost his 630th. It says hit, I assume he means home run, right. in a game rain out, not oh. made up. So he did hit his 630th, but then it was... Did the game not... game must have not counted. So he finishes with 629. And that must have been the game after... Game after that, he took a nap in the clubhouse and then <laughs> drove to, uh, I think, what was it, Yakima? Did he? I think, yeah. He he took a nap, and then Don Wakamatsu was the manager. I think they, he, they never got along. And then Junior, I think, at one point, just didn't show up the next day, got in his car and drove. Ended up in Yakima? I think so, yeah. If someone knows the story, please text the university <laughs> That's on the text pretty good. line. But it's a, it's a pretty, probably not funny for Junior, but yeah. funny for the rest of us envisioning how, <laughs> how one of the all-time greats decided to retire. Different than Ichiro. Did he announce his retirement from Yakima? <laughs> anyway, <might> that <laughs> Junior Junior was a joy to watch. All of that, it's, it's, it's disappointing when our, our, great, our great and transcendent players begin to, the skill set begins to diminish. And, you know, the famous line that Frank Graham Jr., an old sports writer, said of Bob Musial, Bob was apparently curmudgeonly cantankerous, not real approachable. Writers didn't care much for him. He was a great ball player, but surly, not very nice to people. But near the end of his career, when maybe he needed a little bit more of a boost or help, suddenly began to cozy up a little bit more and a little more accessible and nicer to the writers and other people involved in the game in his era. And Frank Graham Jr. wrote a famous line that it's probably applicable to others through the ages and that he's learning to say hello when it's time to say goodbye. <laughs> Great line from a, a, a sports writer about one guy in particular in Bob Musial. Bob Musial. It, I thought of that when... Thinking about Steve Carlton, I don't know if you know much about lefty. Steve Carlton, one of the great pitchers the game has ever known. He won 310. One year, he went 27-10 and 10 with an ERA of like 1.54 or whatever. For a team, he won 27, and they won like 60 games, and he won 27. That's a pretty good them. ratio. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of the great years the game has ever seen. But he was also... Uh, aloof, laconic, taciturn, did not, didn't grant interviews for much of the end of his career. But near the end, near the end when the skill set was gone, the slider, which was as good as any has ever been thrown, even in the modern game, Carlton slider like Koufax's curveball, still amongst the best pitches ever thrown, even in different eras when the spin rate and all of that couldn't be analyzed. They just were flat-out filthy, nasty, unhittable-type pitches. But in the end, Steve finally deigned to speak to 
the media a little bit when he would get signed by a club or he was knocked, he knocked around for three or four different teams down the stretch. And each time then he'd go in, well, I'm looking forward to the fresh start. And he would actually talk and try to smile and speak, but he was learning to say hello when it was time to say goodbye. Willie Mays himself in one of the more poignant moments in the game's history at Shea stadium in 1973, a farewell uh, they ended up playing. He ended up playing the rest of that season, but they had a Willie Mays night at Shea as he returns back to New York where his brilliant career began. I was still, I read something the other day about, and it said the game was invented for Mays and that he is, in terms of the five tools, the best that's ever mm-hmm. played the game of baseball. Yeah. You can start arguing about Babe Ruth and the versatility and the you know, home runs and pitching and, and make an argument for Ruth. And I get it. It's a great argument. It's, it's so hard. But it might be the compare. only other one that you could advance mm-hmm. against Willie. Yeah, it's funny because I, I think most statistics actually, like you think of the, like the true five tools, people say Babe Ruth as big as he was. Yeah. He's actually a pretty good defender. Well, now, he was in, in, his, in his prime. Yeah, yeah in his prime. <laughs> Which is funny to think about. Guy and and a good base runner, too. Drink, eat, and then roll out of bed and go to the ballpark. He, he's the most amazing figure the game has ever known, that's for sure. Yeah, that's a fact. No pun intended. I mean, he was an unbelievable talent, transcendent talent in the history of American sport, Babe Ruth. But in terms of just the game itself, mm-hmm. playing it, most, I, I think I read George Will saying that Mays and Koufax are the answers to you know, who's the greatest baseball player ever? And that old heads, wise heads, people who knew would say, oh, well, you mean other than Willie Mays, of course. That's how they'd begin mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. conversation. Uh, oh, you mean who's the greatest pitcher ever? And the answer for, well, oh, you, other than Koufax, you mean, yeah. of course. Now, I know there's arguments against both of those guys, and people mm-hmm. could advance, and, and Sandy didn't do it long enough, mm-hmm. and, and Willie, yeah, whatever. But Willie, oh my gosh, but Willie at Shea in 1973, in his final word, you know, learning to say hello when it's time to say goodbye, he spoke, I don't know if any of you are Mets fans or Mays fans and know the poignant moment, but he thanked the fans for coming out. He thanked them for the great, he was 42 years of age and his skills were diminishing yeah, he was pretty bad at the end. Yeah, and he stumbled uh, uh, not just in the World Series, but in a couple of games down the stretch of his career at Shea, and it was painful for people to watch and see. And on this late August night, I think in 73, with the season winding down, they had a Willie Mays night, and he said, as I look around at these young ball players over here for the Mets and, I, they, and the guys, and he talked about, I think they were playing the Pirates and the Pirates dug out and these young ball players. I see what these young ball players are doing, and I know that it's time for, for, we, for me, for Willie, to say goodbye, America. It was time to say goodbye. And he finished out that season and then began again. But goodbye, America, when Say Hey said so long. It's a poignant moment in the history of, uh, of our sport. Jim Wilson will be joining us. He once returned a jacket. To Willie Mays himself at an all-star game when Jimmy was about eh, 11 years old. Willie forgot his jacket in a restaurant and the boys who were all back for a contest. Jim's told the story before, but uh, who, uh, no, I, and Jimmy, the big guy, you know, big Jim Wilson, I'll do it. And he took the, you know, imagine the days, the, the more romantic days, 
Jim Wilson has Willie Mays's coat in his hand and is able to go to the front desk and say, I need to return Mr. Mays's coat to him. What room's he in? And they tell him. And, and Jim goes up and knocks on the door, and Willie comes to the door. Oh, uh, Mr. Mays, you forgot. Oh, thanks, young man. <laughs> Those are the types of things that just can't happen in the age we're living Can't do that now. I mean, they gave him the room number, and Jimmy goes up and gives <laughs> Willie Mays his jacket back. Without anyone standing in yeah. front of the door. Jim Wilson will be joining us next. We'll take a break, come back, talk football and baseball with Jim. And analytics, the modern age, great stuff going on. You say you love that stuff, and I appreciate it. I I don't fully assimilate it along the way. Maybe you and Abigail Mm -hmm. and, and other young people can help me with that. Jim Wilson next, 1240 Joe Radio. Here at locally owned and operated Alirica Networks, we use the same service you do, so you can be rest assured that you're getting the very best internet service, whether for home, business, or enterprise. At Alirica, we make sure that each of our valued customers gets the plan that best fits their needs. So whether you require basic service or faster speeds for gaming or HD video streaming, we will make sure to match you with the plan that works best for your home or business. Alirica Networks always goes the extra mile. Give us a call or find out more at Alyrica.net. Don't let your aches and pains sideline your outdoor aspirations this spring. I'm Dana Hughes, physical therapist and board-certified orthopedic specialist. I'm pleased to be accepting new patients at Sweetgrass Physical Therapy and Wellness in Corvallis by the market of choice. Did you know you're free to choose your own physical therapist? At Sweetgrass, you'll experience expert care in a relaxed and friendly atmosphere. Scheduling and billing are hassle-free. For more information, visit our website, sweetgrasspt.com. Power Motorsports is kicking off spring with a huge e-bike demo event. The Tucker e-Power Tour will have event rigs on site full of e-Power vehicles to demo. It's your chance to explore, demo Fantic and Fuel e-bikes and experience the fun and mobility. Try the new Upco electric adventure vehicles and learn more about the exciting new e-lineup. Don't miss the Tucker e-Power Tour at Power Motorsports in Sublimity. Tuesday, April 26th from noon to 4 p.m. PowerMotorsports.com. It's spring, meaning more sun, warmer weather, and golf. Become a Spring Hill Golf Club member and enjoy all the benefits of the best 18-hole championship course in the Mid-Valley. At Spring Hill Golf Club, you'll save huge sums of money in comparison to other club memberships. Spring Hill never charges any assessments or additional fees as part of monthly dues. No surprises, just compare, and you'll see that a Spring Hill Golf Club membership is the best value around. Don't miss out. Golf season is here. Call Spring Hill Golf Club for more info or visit albany-golf.com. Power Motorsports is kicking off spring with a huge e-bike demo event. The Tucker e-Power Tour will have event rigs on site full of e-Power vehicles to demo. It's your chance to explore, demo Fantic and Fuel e-bikes and experience the fun and mobility. Try the new Upco electric adventure vehicles and learn more about the exciting new e-lineup. Don't miss the Tucker e-Power Tour at Power Motorsports in Sublimity. Tuesday, April 26th from noon to 4 p.m. PowerMotorsports.com. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker with T.J. Mathewson and joined by OSU Hall of Famer, broadcast partner, good friend, Big Jim Wilson, to talk to us on a number of things. Spring football, sort of the, the original point of departure, but as always with Jim, some stuff on Beaver baseball and other matters as well. Jim, thanks for taking time, and I appreciate it during my broadcast of the Long Beach State game Saturday. You tried to text me a summation of your thoughts based on what you saw, 
Maybe we can talk it through a little bit and start there with spring football. You and Ron were together. You saw Silas Bolden's exuberant touchdown celebration kind of right in the middle of one of them. So I don't know if we start with Bolden, but what, where do we start? Your thoughts about what you observed in this spring football uh, game on Saturday and, and other observations you may have? Uh, just big picture. I, I think the, uh, probably the big winner was Damian Martinez, the running back. Uh, the offensive line, the first group just partly played. So, uh, you know, if, you, if the Beavers had a game last Saturday, they would have attacked the Beaver defense. If it, if it was really counted on the ground, they would have tried to just maul them on the ground like they did to some opponents last year. But that wasn't the goal. And mm-hmm. so the, it was the offensive line, the first group wasn't used much. They didn't really ground and pound at all. And, um, Silas Bolden, obviously, with the two scores. But nobody got hurt. And so, big picture, I just think it was just a, you know, the conclusion of the spring. And and um, there's, you know, a lot of guys sitting out. It, it's just spring game. It, it is what it is. Uh, but I would say Damian Martinez made the biggest splash. Does he look like a guy that could emerge as the season goes as, quote, the featured or the number one guy in that room? It, it, yes, he does, uh, especially when you see him. Uh, in person, I mean, he looks big in a uniform. He uh, he runs hard. He's thick. He looks like a linebacker. Uh, he runs with a forward lean, uh, and and you know he's when he goes down, he's going to get two plus two just because he's so big and strong and has that lean. Uh, but then when you see him down close, face to face, and sort of uh, eye to eye, he's a, he's a, he's a man. He's physically ready to play right now. Jim Wilson joining us. Jim, the the quarterback room, uh, to use that phrase, the room, you felt like, uh, one of your texts to me was, you didn't feel like there was one of the three that stood out per se, that you saw good things from each, but what about that? Is there any element of disappointment that one of them didn't, ooh, wow, he's clearly the leader going into summer camp? Well, I mean, I think Chance Nolan's the leader just because he started all last year. They were seven and five. He did some really good things. And I think he's going to exit the spring as, as the leader. But uh, I, I think the one thing you have to look at is, first of all, uh, what does Chance Nolan do best? At least what was his real added benefit was his ability to run, uh, to make plays when plays break down, even just to go with scripted run plays. And the Beavers did none of that or would ever attempt to do that in a, in a spring game. And so that one of the best parts of his game wasn't even mm-hmm. available to him in, in this event. Uh, and then uh, um, the, the passing game, I, I kind of thought the defensive backs just outplayed the receivers, and there just wasn't that much uh, for any of the quarterbacks, uh, uh, quite frankly, especially when uh, it was the higher ends, ones, ones, and twos, twos. So, uh, you know, I think if it was seven on seven, I think Ben Branson would probably emerge as a starter, but he also had a, a big fumble, you know, where it was unforced and the other team gets a bite. That's a big turnover in a game. So just all in all, I mean, Justin Jebby to me still looks to be tentative physically. And I, I, he is a guy that actually in his prime, if you look back at comp, combine numbers over the course of time, his, uh, 40-yard dash time is as good or better than Chance Nolan's, but he doesn't play like that uh, or, or play that fast anymore. And so I, I, I still don't think that he is 
100% at least running, physically running, not necessarily throwing. Knowledge of the offense, though, is probably where Tristan has it, you know, the ability to get the ball to the right people, get the Beavers lined up properly, get in and out of plays at the line of scrimmage. That might be his strongest suit and thus a guy that still is in the mix. Is that fair to say? Uh, that's absolutely fair to say. I, I think it's an underrated element of uh, what a quarterback does. Uh, I mean, they can get you in plays, they can get you out of plays, uh, they can make reads on the fly. It's just so critical. And uh, and that's where if each of the quarterbacks were equal on that element, then I think Chance Nolan would, would be the best guy because then he had, he had that, that speed and that uh, playmaking uh, element, but they're not. And so, you know, that's going to be a factor uh, heading into the fall. Jim, the, on the other side of the ball, you already talked about the – Defensive backs, just in terms of for whatever you saw that day and what they were running, the DBs for the Beavers won one-on-ones and matchups with the, the receiving core. That I, I like the sound of that because that looks to me, and what are your thoughts? We'll start kind of from the back end first as we look at Trent Bray's defense. But what do you see in that group in the main? And they and we didn't see Rajon or Jaden or Alton Julian in that, but – when you add all those guys into the mix with some of the guys you have seen, what do the Beavers have on the back end? Yeah, and that, like you just said, there's three, I think, projected starters that weren't playing with Alton Julian and, um, and uh, Ray John Wright and, uh, and then one other. So um, it's one of those deals where um, it's, it's one of those deals where I really believe that um, – um, the depth, it's, it's, the depth is the biggest thing. And, um, you, do you have something you need to attend to there, Jimmy? I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I did, but it's, it's, it's sort of, uh, wound itself out here. Okay, good I for apologize. You. Good for you. But yes, the, 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 the biggest thing is that I noticed is just the depth along the, the lines, uh, where you have guys like the three top starters out, and then that second group, Arnold and mm-hmm. um, Alex Austin, who probably projects as a starter. And then um, uh, you just keep going. You listen to Ames, Harge, and Massey, and, and Thomas. And it, 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 just, it doesn't seem like you can ever have enough bodies back there. But uh, the additional coach and with all those numbers, I just, I just liked what they were doing. It just, it just really looked like the defensive backfield as a unit looked much improved. When you say like what they were doing, let's kind of look big picture and then maybe move in a little bit to the inside and outside backers, what you saw on the D-line, some tweaks, some personnel adjustments a little bit, and the way guys are used. What was your overall take on Trent Bray with his hands on this defense and what you think that might look like come fall? Well, um, I the defensive backs challenged balls. Every ball that was in the air was just being challenged uh, by defensive backs. And I, I think that was the biggest thing. And then, uh, yeah, I, I think guys like, I think uh, Keaton Oladapo is going to be, play, be playing at or near the line of scrimmage, whereas uh, a safety like Alton Julian uh, be more of a, a true safety. I think the corners, uh, uh, Jaden Grant, it was the nickel last year. I would imagine he retains that. Austin's a corner. Uh, Rajon Wright's a corner. And then there's just guys behind them in every spot. So there's flexibility. And um, 
I, I just think as a group, you're going to see mostly five on the field, and uh, it just brings more speed to the game. And uh, I, I think that's where Trent's going to start. And then inside, um, you know, Lewis Navy Roberts is a thing, but I'm looking for Omar Spates to, to sort of bounce back. Uh, it's not that he had a bad year by any standards, but I just think there's more in the tank for him. And uh, Easton Mascarenas on the inside, he did not play. Right. And so Jack Coletto and uh, Kyrie Fisher were, were in the middle. And, and, and Jack Coletto will play a lot of defense this year. He's a good guy. I mean, he had the best open field tackle in the game. He hit on John Dunmore. Uh, in the one-on-ones, he, he, beat, uh, he beat the running back a couple of times. I really like what I saw from him. And uh, the best probably inside hit I saw was from a linebacker, Junior Walling, down on the goal line, working against Amir Collins. So I, I think the inside linebackers are set. And then it's the outside linebackers or the edge players where I think the Beavers, it's interesting because Andrew Chatfield Jr. didn't play. And, he, I mean, he's a guy everybody, of course, would have loved to have seen. But, boy, does he look good in the uniform. <laughs> and uh, the guys that did play, McCartan, Ryan Frank, and uh, uh, Stover, uh, all, 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 you know, they'll, uh, and Riley Sharp also. So there's depth and quality on the edge. Uh, so I, I think the linebacking has a whole a good group. You mentioned uh, to me one of the first comments you made, and I know you were just kind of in texting on your way back. I'm in the middle of calling a ball game, so I didn't get to study this too carefully. But I mentioned it to Jonathan Smith last hour when Coach joined us. You cited two guys, maybe among others, but you cited specifically Simon Sandberg and Samisi Saluni as guys whose bodies look different. Tell us a little bit about what you what you saw in them specifically and anybody else that jumped out at you. Well, before I, I, I advance that too far, I hope Jonathan agreed. <laughs> he did. He did. Yes. He said they got uh, a lot Sandberg, of work. Sandberg looked, he, you know, he was this weightlifter strong guy, but he just looked bigger. He just, there's no, and, so, and Saluni looked much bigger, not much bigger, but... Mm-hmm. Saluni probably added 15, 20 pounds, whereas Sandberg, maybe 10 to 12, mm. uh, 15. But, I mean, just they, they look like they're going to be hand-on-the-ground defensive ends. And, uh, but Sandberg, I think I, I looked him up because I, he, he, he looks so much bigger. They listen at 292. And uh, so I, I thought that was – those guys caught my, my eye. Uh, bodies uh, on the second offensive unit. Uh, Jacob Ferenzi looks like a really big body. Uh, he's running with the second team as a guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, on the on the flip side, Demir Collins is, is much smaller than I thought. He's very dynamic and mm-hmm. quick. He, he profiles as like a Trey Low type of uh, third down back, or maybe do some of the kind of Champ Fleming's type stuff. Um, but he made a couple of nice moves and did some nice things. But those are some of the bodies. Of course, Musgrave always looks good uh, in a uniform, but uh, those are the bodies that okay. really caught my eye. Jim, I know you have uh, work in, uh, to get to, so uh, there's so many other things I'd love to ask you about. Do you have a quick thought about the Beaver baseball season as it goes? You follow carefully. You watch as much as you can. Listen, watch. You've commented with Josh on games. Last night's game being what it is, do you just dismiss that of great of no great consequence, or does it when you see a score and the number of hits allowed and all of that raise any concern for you, or do you just dismiss it and move on? That happens in the course of a long season. Well, both. I mean, uh, um, after being concerned and and realizing it's never good to give up sixteen or seventeen hits, and and and. Um, 
you know, have a you know six run lead or, or a three run lead after one, and have six runs after two, and and never really not be in the game <laughs> the rest of the way. I mean, that's that's concerning. That just means you're thin on 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 some, some spots. But then, as soon as you you, you get past that, then yeah, you got to dismiss, dismiss it, and move on, and look at your twenty six and eight record or something along those lines. If the season ended tomorrow, the Beavers would be uh, a number one seed uh, or a top eight seed. Uh, and host a regional and host a super if they advance. Uh, so all the goals you set out uh, at the start of the season at the halfway point, the Beavers are right on pace uh, to, to deal with all that. So uh, I, I'm, I'm pleased. With, mm-hmm. absolutely, actually very pleased with what's happened. And, and much of this has been without Jake Vennings, uh, without DJ Wheeler, uh, without Will Fresh, but of course mm-hmm. he's not coming back. So, and, you know, Joey Munn. I mean, the, the, the Beavers on the pitching side are missing some guys. And so it is understandable that some youth and inexperience on the, on the, on the back end of that bullpen isn't quite ready. And so, uh, but, but to be where they're at, I'm sure, Mike, you and I always say, if I offered you this <laughs> at the whatever 35-game mark, would you take it? Yes. And, uh, and I'm sure you would say yes. It, the Beavers are in very good position right now. 27-8, and eight, not a bad spot, no doubt. They'd like to get a split with Gonzaga and, and feel a little bit better about it with the Huskies coming to town this weekend. We'll see about that tonight. Jim, thanks for making time and a busy workday for you, and hope to see you soon. Thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Okay, Big Jim Wilson, he has to move on to class now. He's an educator for Vancouver in Vancouver, USA. TJ, I'm looking forward to hearing you and uh, Abigail Derula from the Dam Analytics mm-hmm. Squad. Not as though I'm going to completely lay out, but I may lay out for a while and just hear you two young people talk analytics next with Abigail on 1240 Joe Radio. If you're an experienced modeler or maybe you're just starting out, Trump's Hobbies is there to help. Trump's carries the latest in RC cars, boats, airplanes, and helicopters, plus drones, model trains, fantasy games, paints, parts, and supplies. Trump's is an old-fashioned hobby shop that's been around answering questions and fixing problems since 1972. Build it, drive it, fly it. Trump's Hobbies in the Timber Hill Shopping Center in Corvallis, bringing enjoyment to life. If you feel you're overpaying on your taxes and you're not as profitable as you should be, you're not alone. At Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, they can help because that's what they do. They work with individuals and business owners to lower your taxes, increase your profit, and manage your cash flow. They provide bookkeeping and payroll services too. Give them a call at 541-753-4185. That's 753-4185. And get in the game. Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team, and go Beavs. Hey, this is Randy Holmes. We're still getting fired up down here at the Anchor Beaver Grill. Introducing Throwdown Thursday with country line dancing beginning at 8 p.m. Can't dance but want to learn? They'll teach you a new dance every week. Don't forget our Tuesday night trivia beginning at 7 o'clock. Wednesday nights featuring all-you-can-eat spaghetti dinner for 7 bucks, and get the best prime rib dinner in town every Friday night. So let's get fired up and have some fun down here at the Anchor Beaver on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. 
Kraken Cards combines the worlds of sports, cards, and games to bring a fresh take on your local game store. Kraken Cards in downtown Corvallis carries sports cards, Pokemon cards, MTG cards, and more. If you're into sports cards and games, Kraken Cards is for you. OSU fans, Kraken Cards has a dedicated Oregon State alumni box just for you. Kraken Cards, 114 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. KrakenSportsCards.com, your connection to everything fun. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today, 541 541- 758-8245. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Level up your quesadilla game at Qdoba with their new cheese crusted quesadillas. Crisp things up a notch and add a golden crispy cheese crust to the outside of your quesadilla. Talk about cheese on cheese on cheese. And customize your cheese crusted quesadilla masterpiece with any of their flavorful protein, zesty salsas, handcrafted guac, and of course, more cheese. Make your world more flavorful and try the new cheese crusted quesadillas today. Stop by or order now at Qdoba.com or in the app. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker with T.J. Matthewson. I'm going to lay out and listen to T.J. and Abigail talk here in a moment. Not right away. It's my. It'll be my honor to bring Abigail in. Damn analytics squad. And again, I say to you, it's not a damn analytics. No, it's damn. It's the. It's a great thing. D A M, D A M analytics squad, highlighted about a month ago. Uh, uh, just a great bit of news for a member of the damn analytics squad and the sort of leader of that group that Brad Brown has put together for Oregon state baseball, damn analytics squad, the Twitter handle you can follow at D a S beavers. It's an acronym for damn analytics squad at D a S beavers. But a month ago they tweeted the following. We would like to extend a congratulations to our very own at Abigail Derula for being selected as a recipient of the 2022 MLB Sabre Analytics Scholarship Award. She's participated in that already, taken advantage of that scholarship opportunity. She works diligently with this outstanding group of young people that form the DAM Analytics Squad that provide all manner of tools for the coaches and players to work with. And it's a pleasure to welcome Abigail Derula from the DAM Analytics Squad to the Joe Beaver Show. Abigail, good afternoon. And your busy schedule, thanks for making time. How's life today for you? Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on. It's going pretty good. Just, you know, getting started with the day, getting ready for a game tonight. So, What do you do? Uh, I'm just asking. In your role with the Dam Analytics Squad team, just, I'm getting ready for tonight's game. What does that entail for you? What kind of work are you doing on behalf of the coaches, players, and so on, not only today, but on a sort of ongoing day-to-day basis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mostly get ready uh, our video. Uh, we video from a bunch of different angles that we have um, as part of our more in-house data that we keep on the guys, uh, and then we get all of our equipment ready. Um, so TrackMan um, is most of what we 
used for our in-game um, tech and Yakra Tech is another one of those programs that we use. And so we get that ready. Um, that usually we start about two hours before game time. Um, and really just helping the coaches with anything that they need, whether it's, you know, running and, you know, hitting fungos whenever they need or uh, just, you know, doing a run to go to the office to get some of their uh, <laughs> some of their in-game, like, papers that they use to help um, put the outfielders and infielders where they need to be. So kind of just that all around. I'm also a front office assistant for them as well, so kind of helping them with any tasks that they need. Abigail, this is TJ here with Mike. You mentioned TrackMan. I'm, I'm going to take a, a swing and guess a lot of our listeners aren't aware exactly what a TrackMan is. What is a TrackMan? What, what does it sort of, what does it capture in the game and how does the team use it? Yeah, so TrackMan is an in-game, um, more live program that we have. It's a piece of equipment that we place um, on the hardwired up onto the top of our press box. And it's, Basically, uses radar sensors to capture the path that the ball takes when headed to home plate. So about 40 feet in front of home plate uh, is also uh, those radars basically capture how the ball moves in terms of the way it spins, how fast it goes, um, how much it breaks, and basically gives us a picture of, you know, where that release point when that when the pitcher throws the ball where that release point is and it helps us kind of gauge you know is our pitcher doing well is he kind of sitting where we he normally is and if he's not um you know what's going on maybe we need to take a look at that and that we can look at that after the game um we don't look at it mostly in the game but we look at it after the game and it gets this kind of a range of where coaches can see where to work on more and then uh we also use it as a terms of like seeing where those pitches land is more of an accurate thing. That's actually something that they're looking for uh, using as you think of the robot umpires. This program is a program that they would use for that. Yeah. Um, so I, I've heard numbers thrown out there on how many things specifically, you just rattled off a few things, but specifically how many data points specifically a track man track is, tracks per pitch. I think it's like, 24 right 24 different variables per pitch oh yes absolutely i mean it's anywhere from well we mo- the main points that we use is their spin rate um horizontal break vertical break and velocity uh, but it can do anything from the release angle to exit velocity i mean even just like some data on our hitters you know how hard are they hitting that ball or launch angle that that ball exits out of we can track all of that as well so I, I think I asked Cooper Jerpy about this a couple weeks ago during a midweek media availability, but how much start to starter guys looking at their spin rate and maybe mechanical stuff they'll come here and like you guys probably have a database of video of them pitching and look like, okay, here on this pitch, you were mechanically doing this and your spin rate was good. But on this other pitch, you skipped this part of your delivery and your spin rate went down uh, 200 RPMs, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it varies from pitcher to pitcher. Some really uh, like looking at their stats and it kind of confirms what they're feeling. But a lot of guys like to base it more off of feel and, you know, how do they feel that day? How, like, is their arm tied? Is it pretty loose? Um, and then it's really just more of a confirmation. It's also a confirmation for coaches. Uh, and a question that actually comes in on the text line that I think is super interesting. 
So you, I, I don't, I think you mentioned that it's not really used relayed as much to the dugout during the game. However, um, does the do the coaches use the TrackMan and get um, get information on the other team's pitchers as well, and you know, kind of what they have and how that might help them attack the the opposition? Yes, absolutely. Before games, that's what a, a lot of how we prepare for games. Um, so the coaches have their advanced scouting reports of information that they like to know. Um, so we'll use programs like Synergy, which all D1 schools are um, required to have. And we'll pull that data that we get from those TrackMan systems, um, and we make those advanced scouting reports for that purpose. Um, we can't use it in-game because uh, it's against NCAA guidelines uh but we do use it as part of preparing and kind of seeing you know how that happened we don't use their data after we play them as much um but we still have to submit that csv so that you know future teams that play that team can see the data as well abigail derula of the damn analytics squad here at oregon state joining us on the joe beaver show now let's go to something that fans do see every day on the Twitter account. They see all the, they see, I guess you guys tweet out the, the, the three best exit velocities. You guys tweet out like spin rate on, on great strikeout pitches, velocity, uh, and home run distance. And Mike and I were joking in a break earlier, uh, today uh, about that Justin Boyd home run on Saturday. He hits to, he hits to dead center field, right center field. Yeah. And, and the, the Twitter account tweets out, that it's a 354-foot home run, which, you know, would um, would probably be a flyout to, to right center field, but it still goes over the wall. For those that were confused seeing that number, why does that number look like that, and why did the ball eventually go over the fence? Yes, so it's quite funny. We had quite a few conversations about that as well. Um, so when he, that was the actual angle that he did hit the ball at. That is correct. It's just there was a lot of weather conditions that day, particularly wind. And, you know, when that ball is flying through the air, it tends to, that wind tends to pick it up, and which is why it got over the fence like that. <laughs> but, yes, quite a funny, <laughs> funny situation. Abigail Derula, our guest. Abigail, the world you're in, and you and TJ could talk forever about, about these things, and it's an enjoyable conversation. I'm curious to know a little bit on the bigger picture thing. You're about to graduate from Oregon State, but how did you gravitate to this world in the beginning? Did, did you have an interest in baseball and stats and all of that as you were growing up in Newburgh and went to Newburgh High School and came down here? Tell us a little bit about your journey into this world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I actually had no experience in baseball, no experience in softball. I rode for the Newburgh High School equestrian team, and I'm also the captain of the Oregon State equestrian team. Hmm. And... I went to a Twins game when I was about 15 with my dad, and I was very interested in just the game and the strategy behind it. I like to look at things kind of more in depth instead of just the surface level. Um, so I was asking him, like, the staff on the board, what those meant and everything. We went to a couple Mariners games, and, you know, as we got more into depth, the more kind of interested I got into it. And I ended up going into an internship with the Portland Pickles Baseball Club this last summer, and I did script writing or in-game or on-field entertainment. And as much as I really enjoyed that and I loved that experience, um, they gave me the opportunity to work with their TrackMan unit and kind of see their advanced scouting that they do behind the scenes. And that really piqued my interest and I knew that I wanted to know more about that. So 
when I saw the job posting for OSU baseball, it was absolutely perfect. So I was like, you know, I don't really have a lot of experience, but I'm going to go ahead and apply. And by a long shot, I tracked Brad down and you know said, I really want this job. I'd really like to a chance to interview for it. And sure enough, here I am. Wow. Yeah, and Brad speaks so highly of all the tasks you've taken on, all the knowledge you've gained and shared with others on the team and calls you a true leader. And you have a, a career ahead, it sounds like, uh, Abigail, in this scholarship, the 2022 MLB Sabre Analytics Scholarship Award that the Dam Analytics Squad tweeted about a month ago. Tell us about that, what it meant to you, what you've already gotten to experience through that, and maybe what kind of doors... Uh, this whole thing could be opening for you. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. Um, I mean, that scholarship was absolutely a surprise to me. Um, I talked to the diversity officer over at uh, the MLB, Tyrone Brooks, and he really urged me to apply for it. So I did, and I ended up getting the scholarship, um, and it's for the Society for American Baseball Research, you know, basically this four-day conference where we talked about, I mean, anything from how uh, the symmetry of a pitcher's hips can affect their upper body um, extremities and injuries having to do with those upper body extremities to just kind of the future of tech in baseball. Uh, and so also part of that experience, I got to chat with a bunch of other teams like uh, the New York Yankees, the Philadelphia Phillies, the Cleveland Guardians, um, and kind of network a little bit with them, ask them questions about, you know, how to go further in this industry. And so it really uh, inspired me to go, you know, see what else is out there, even to pursue something um, which, in my mind, is not as far off, I think, as I when I first started, you know, in baseball as I thought it would be, but, you know, pursuing something in scouting and hopefully one day going to general management. Abigail Derula of the Damn Analytics Squad joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. So, Abigail, you're there at that Sabre conference. I've heard about it from the outside. I had a friend go go all four years of college to that conference and, you know, was able, did the same thing you did, was really learned. He now um, is interning in the Mariners organization. So it, was there an idea there that really sparked your interest, like, ooh, that is really cool? Yeah, um, you know, the biomechanics. I mean, anything that they talked about, biomechanics, um, I was kind of interested in learning more about that. Um, even just something as simple as um, the trunk tilt in a picture and how, you know, you want to get that arm just kind of a little bit more forward um, in line with the body to really um, get more of a faster velocity on that ball. I mean, just anything like little changes in how they use these sensors and um, just some of the tech like K-Motion to track that data. Um, We talked a little bit about that and just kind of going more in depth with that. So I think that's something that I want to learn more about since I don't have too in-depth of a knowledge of it yet. Do you pitch that to coaches too? Um, You know, it's something that we do utilize. Unfortunately, we don't have that um, with our pitchers yet, but it is something that we use with our batters. Uh, But that's definitely on the list of things that we want to pursue later. Abigail Derula with us for a few more minutes here, the Beavers and Gonzaga tonight. Now, you're a member of a team, and, and 
I think TJ said you talked about 24 data points on a particular pitch or whatever else, but in the course of a game and all the things that you're gathering, I've heard the figure 2,000 thrown out by Brad Brown. So what is it that you're all doing and collecting and thus, thus then studying, analyzing, disseminating? What kind of data points in the entire game are we talking about with the tools you have and maybe some of the other uh, Edutronics, uh, you know, you mentioned TrackMan, Rapsodo, all the tools you have and work on, Abigail. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just some of the pieces of technology. So for our bullpen sessions, we like to use a program called Rapsodo, which basically tracks uh, a lot of the same things as uh, our TrackMan. Um, only our TrackMan and Yager Tech programs are used in-game, where our Rapsodo is used for uh, our live sessions and our bullpen sessions. And then we'll use a, another piece of equipment called K-Motion, and we use that on our batters. And that basically tracks, you know, the kinetic sequence so that we're making sure that we're using, that when the batter is rotating through their swing, um, they're using their body more efficiently so that they can have, you know, bring that exit below up higher and they can have more control over where that ball is going to go. Um, same with our pitchers. Uh, we want to track you know, how efficient are they spinning that ball um, in terms of what kind of pitch that they're throwing. And it also gears co- uh, clues coaches into how that pitcher is moving so they can see, okay, that's not right, so this might be the problem. So that could be anywhere from, you know, getting their uh, arm just a little bit more forward, um, changing their grip, anything like that. And then we also use another camera called Edutronics, which is basically fast motion capture camera that allows us to see the pitch really slow motion so that we can overlap their different pitches so that we know that they're going, you know, releasing from the same area, kind of depending on the pitch. Um, and, you know, saying, you know, okay, maybe that grip, you know, this is how it's releasing. Okay, maybe that's not going to work. We need to change it a little bit. So it's more of a tool that our coaches can use so they can help our pitchers become better. And you also get involved, from what I understand, in scouting reports in terms of, I mean, the whole gamut of, okay, you have all of this for your guys to study for their own game, but you try, as TJ was getting at, you have access to information about other, and you do. So do you try to prepare a, in a sense, and, and are other people challenged within your room to present okay, this is a pitch sequence that might work for so-and-so hitter for Arizona State coming to town this weekend. Yes, absolutely. I mean, our we do scouting reports, and, um, starting with their pitches all the way to their hitters, and we do it on every single person on the team or someone that we think could, you know, we're going to face during that game. Um, and it's anything the coaches request. I mean, Synergy is a really, really amazing tool, uh, and that's a database where we store all of their uh, data that we collect throughout the season. Um, and it spans multiple years, kind of like how long that pitcher has pitched or that hitter has hit um, that we have data on. And we'll pick and pull and select different sequences. So on an OO count, you know, how often is he throwing a fastball? Or, you know, how often is this batter swinging and missing at a 3-2 count? Uh, I mean, you, any situation you could possibly think of, Synergy's got it. Wow. Hey, Abigail, the thing is, everything you've just it's fascinating. And your knowledge base and the things you're learning and sharing, I mean, it, 
congratulations to you for taking this on and embracing it and learning and innovating and all the things you and the damn analytics squad's doing. It's it's so much, you know, the ball game itself plays out and all of these points of data and knowledge come in uh, maybe during, after the fact, preparing for the game. Do you also, are you so immersed in this and even the minutia of this stuff, do you, do you allow yourself to kind of be a fan and just enjoy the ball game as it plays out? Or do you, is your mind so analytically driven that you enjoy that part of it but don't really watch the game, quote-unquote, big picture like the fans at Goss do? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think to be in this industry, you kind of have to be a fan first and really just appreciate the game. Um, if anything, I think my analytical um, way of thinking has actually helped me enjoy it just a little mm-hmm. bit more because I can kind of think of, okay, this play is going to, you know, if this has happened, you know, maybe they should do this or, you know, push the infielder out a little bit more, you know, just kind of seeing like the different scenarios. Um for example, um, when they're early in the count, okay, so they're going to try and strike the bat, uh, strike the batter out, and then when it gets later on in the count, okay, well, are they going to throw a breaking ball in off speed? Uh, and that kind of analytical thinking actually kind of helps me stay a little bit more engaged in the game and kind of anticipating, you know, what I would do. So I kind of appreciate the analytical-based thinking of it. Yeah, well, good for you. Now, the last thing is, and we'll turn you loose and look forward to seeing you and your squad at the ballpark again tonight. Great work you guys are doing, and so happy for you, Abigail. I'm glad you found a, a great path, it sounds like, going forward. That is this. Your players, and I think you said it differs from player to player. All of this data, can it be overwhelming at times? I mean, it, does it matter to the player how much they want to assimilate, or even the coaches? You could get into a rabbit hole and go down and be in one forever, I would think, with all of the stuff that is available. How do you kind of balance that out the data study with just the actual practice and playing of the games. Absolutely. I mean, there is, I mean, you collect so much data that they absolutely can be overwhelming. I mean, it's definitely even overwhelming for me at times as well. I think the biggest thing is getting to know your players, getting to know how they process information, how they absorb information and being able to communicate that in a sense that they understand it. Um, and that differs from player to player, which is why it's so important to get to know them as a person first before you can communicate those things. That's something that you do see a lot in the big leagues as well. Um, they talked a lot about that during the conferences, you know, kind of being that conduit of knowing, you know, how to speak in a way that they are going to understand it and the way that they can apply it to their own tools. Very well said, Abigail, as everything you said was. It is a pleasure to have you on the show. Really proud of what you're doing, and thank you for taking time to discuss it with us. I I will only say this on behalf of my young friend TJ here. Remember him when you come into your general uh, general management kingdom of a major league club and hire TJ Mathewson to work for you and remember this conversation someday that you had on the Joe Beaver Show because I believe that's in your future. I really do, and I appreciate you taking time to talk to us. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me. It's been fun. Congratulations, Abigail. We'll see you soon. You appreciate me having your back on that. I no, mean, TJ, I, I mean, because honestly, like listening to her, when she talks about wanting to be general, she'll be a general manager of a mm-hmm. major league club someday. I wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise yeah. me at all. Always helpful to know someone on the inside. But wasn't she good? Yeah. Oh, it's great. Fascinating and wait, world. There's so many layers we didn't even touch on. Of, of I course. Mean, big leaguers. I, I was going to ask this. Didn't mm-hmm. think we had time. 
big leaguers a lot. I've listened to Joey Votto, the Reds, go on and talk about how he manages his hitting and how he uses numbers. He looks at a lot of expected numbers. I don't know if those numbers are available here at the college level, but in big leagues, you can you can look at your offensive performance based on expected numbers and say, am I doing a good job? Well, the expected numbers say I am. So even though I'm still hitting 220, the I'm expected to hit closer to 290, 290, or I could go even further and do uh, so weighted on base average. Let's let's do a quick yeah. quick thing here where we have two and a half sure. minutes. Weighted on base average instead of just on base percentage and yeah. slugging percentage, it's kind it kind of marries the two, right? It gives a single, a walk, a double, a triple, a home run, all different sort of weights on a weighted on base average. It makes it into one number. You know, 400 weighted on base average is pretty elite. Uh, give or take. And then you have expected weighted on base average, which takes into account your quality of contact at the plate. So if you know you have very good, a good quality of contact at the plate and it says you're doing well, you're like, okay, I trust my approach and I'm doing well. Something I don't even know that they do here at Oregon State because mm-hmm. that, that requires an army of data. So much so. If you want to get lost in the numbers, baseballsavant.com. BaseballSavant.com is yeah, one of your favorite it. sites. It's we, great. Are we good? Are we we're going good, straight yeah. up? We're okay. Good. So we really appreciate our guests today, Jonathan Smith, Big Jim Wilson, Abigail Derula. Just remember the name, and I'm serious. She's young. She'll be graduating soon. But when I talked about her goals and path and where this may take her, she kind of just threw in there, and general management someday. Well, that I, I take to mean being a general manager of a major league club. And I – I'm 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 not just she's off the air, she's not listening. I'm not flattering her. I honestly just listening to her talk, knowing how highly Brad Brown thinks of her as the leader of the Beavers Dam Analytics squad, the contact she's already made and is making at the major league level, it would not shock me if she climbs a ladder pretty quickly. That was a, a very bright person we yeah, just spoke and, with. and organizations are always looking for bright young innovative ideas uh, always it's it's good it's a it's a good profession and really you know i loved what i heard it was great dj it's been good working with you when uh, tomorrow steve priest will join mm-hmm. us and we'll get a little bit more into the schematics of the beaver defense he was a tremendous defender in the national football league uh, and he'll talk about the the move to more four down linemen uh, defensively how that and the pressure on the quarterback, how that's going to help everybody on the back end, all of those things. We'll talk to Steve more, as well as the entire picture of the spring game, the Hall of Famer Steve Priest tomorrow. Baseball tonight, 445 right here. KEJO Corvallis. And translator, K229DI Corvallis. The home of the Beavers. 1240 Joe Radio.